Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. In this episode, Miss Jinna joins Mrs. Kelly via video chat to explain the importance of gratitude and to help us see how grit and gratitude can be used simultaneously to get us through some of our toughest challenges. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. My name is Mrs. Kelly and today I have our very first video interview. I feel like we're really trendy now. Yeah. Now all we need is the camera in the room. I've seen on YouTube people recording podcasts, but then, yeah, then I would have to be 100% appropriate, so I don't know if I would like that. But it's really nice to see you, even though you can't be here. And can you introduce yourself for our guests today? Yes, my name is uh, Nyla Jenna, so my students call me Miss Jenna, and I am a math teacher primarily at IES in Shista. So this year I'm teaching year seven, but I usually kind of switch between year six and year seven. And I get to do all kinds of other cool things for our school, like I do our Instagram and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of work, but it's it's something pretty good for me. I enjoy it. Yeah, and it seems like you have a lot of passion for it because I see you working constantly. So it doesn't seem like really work. You know how it is, right? When it's something that you love doing, you just do it and it feels good, even though it's technically work. Exactly. And the reason that I wanted you as a guest today is because we're talking about grit this season, and I think that uh, grit is so important, but it's also really important to maintain, I think, a little bit of self-love when getting through tough situations, and anyone who knows me knows that I become more of like a a cold-hearted robot when I'm in stressful situations, and I kind of shut off all emotions, and it's like... No pain and emotion do not exist, but what I've really admired you for is your ability to take tough situations and also, like, stay yourself and stay true to your emotions. How do you do that? Because I am still wondering how one can do that. To be honest, I think everyone's default when things are hard is to shut down. Like, and you might shut down by not having emotions and someone else might shut down by having too many emotions. And then it's uncontrollable. Um, and so I think it takes a lot of time and experience. And the bad thing is you can't like learn grit without being in tough situations. So the more tough situations you're in, whether they're small situations or bigger situations, the more you develop, like you said last episode, like it's a muscle, right? And so the more you do it, the more you get to know yourself and how you react in those situations. And the more you also get to sort of um, give yourself feedback. What worked well for me in that situation? What could I have done better? Um, and so I guess for, for me, what happened is through my life, you know, there's been different situations where I made poor choices when I was in a situation of stress. And I've realized that if I shut down or if I don't let the emotions flow through me, I make bad decisions. But if I let myself feel actually what is happening, and if I check in with myself about how I'm feeling in that moment, that I'm better able to make a good decision for me. And usually the good decision for me is the right decision for that situation because I don't put myself in a position of something that I can't live my, live up to, in a sense. Um, so I guess my advice to you, if you're looking to let more emotions in, which I'm not saying is the best way, but it's just the way that works for me, is to allow yourself to like give yourself a timeout and just check in. What am I feeling? What am I not allowing to flow through me because maybe that holds the answer actually to what you should do in the situation that is amazing advice thank you 
How do you do that, though, when the situation around you and your world is chaos? Because I think most of us, when we're in a stressful situation, it's not instinct number one to take a step back and be like, how am I feeling right now? Instinct number one is survival. Like, how do I not die? And (laughs) number two is how do I... How do I experience as little pain as possible? It's not reflecting on, you know, myself and being self-aware. How do you bring yourself back? Because stressful situations really don't give us a lot of, like, time and extra room to self-reflect. Honestly, step one, breathe. I don't know how many times we've been in situations where everything is exploding around us and the first thing that we try to do is act on it when really the first thing that we should be doing is breathe. Give your brain oxygen so that you can make a decision. And I experienced this as a teacher as well. There are moments when in the lesson, different people are talking at the same time and this kid wants help and I'm just trying to get through this part because it's really important. And the lesson ends in five minutes and then I have another lesson and it's a lot of stuff. But it's worth it for me to take those 30 seconds to just actually take a deep breath. And this is something that you, again, have to practice. And it's something that I do with my students. For example, um, every time we're going to take a test, we take time before we start the test and we take three or four deep breaths. And then I like to do this thing that I call like shaking off all the negative energy and stress because your body, as you said, is like fight or flight. Like you need to do something about this. So let's be honest, you need to actually do something about it. You need to release the energy somehow and doing something silly, like just shaking your hands all over the place helps you to release that energy. You probably laugh because you feel like you look pretty dumb. Um, and that brings you some endorphins and some positive stuff and you're breathing, you're focusing on something else and just taking a moment. Like I said, 30 seconds is worth like five minutes of calm in your head. Um, and so I think it's just, it comes back down to that one first step, breathe. If you don't breathe, you cannot continue in a way that is logical because it's your amygdala, it's your anxiety, it's all the emotions that are dictating what you're doing. So that's the number one thing I think um, that I've learned is I have to breathe and it's just one task. And so when you do one task, then you can do the next task and then you can do the next one. But you have to start with that very first task. Do you feel like you've put yourself in some of these stressful situations in order to train yourself or has it just happened naturally in your life? Because as you said, you've been through some things that that you did have to to really use grit to get through. Did you purposely make yourself uncomfortable so you could learn these things or was it just accidental stumblings that brought you to obstacles? I think it's kind of half-half. Um, you can choose to see any situation in the way that you want to. So you can practice grit in a positive situation as well. You can do it in a situation where things are going well or you've already fixed the problem, but it could have been a problem. So for example, if you are running late for the bus and you're starting to panic that you're going to miss your first lesson or something like this, well, yeah, it's not that you're going to stop running for the bus, but while you're doing it, even though it's a small thing, you can practice you know, let me also breathe. Let me also, maybe I do it once I get on the bus, once I actually catch the bus. So even though the situation worked out well, you can use it to grow. You don't have to wait for the big disasters to happen. You can use every single moment in your life as a teachable moment, I guess. That's really good. And I think that 
knowing that it's not all about the hard times that make you the stronger person that you want to be. Because, let's face it, a lot of us avoid situations <laughs> where we know that it's going to be uncomfortable or difficult. And yeah, if we are seeking them out, we we have some sort of of really strange psychological thing going on where we're like hungry for for disaster and stress. I just listened to a podcast episode where a guy, I can't remember, I think it was 90 days or 100 days, I can't remember the number, but he he had been afraid of rejection. And so he decided to put himself into situations every single day for like a hundred days where he would be rejected. And it just made me think, do you need to do something like that if you're really working on your grit in order to be grittier? Do I need to every day decide to put myself in a really uncomfortable situation so I can build my grit muscle and become stronger? Because some days I don't want to be uncomfortable. I think part of it, too, is remembering the flip side. So, you know, grit, a lot of people, like you said, thinks comes from, they think that it only comes from tough situations. But then what happens in good situations? Um, the opposite for me of grit is gratitude. And so if you take the time to appreciate the good things, even if it's like, I saw the sun this morning, <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't have to be a huge deal. But taking the time to appreciate the things that go well and to reflect on those positive things as well, Make it so that when you're in a tough situation, you can remember the positive stuff too. And so I think that seeing um, grit or resilience as purely a negative thing makes it much harder to access that place of calm and to to push through to actually get the rewards of what we're trying to get by having grit. Um, and you need to um, kind of realize, as the saying says, that life is not... Um, it's about the the des- it's not just about the destination it's also about the journey mm. so you can set a goal for yourself and if it fails miserably yeah be sad be disappointed this is normal mm. right but at some point maybe give yourself a deadline you need to work through it so you can get to the other side and maybe there were some things in that experience that taught you something maybe some things actually went really really well but it was one tiny thing that didn't go so well or maybe a big thing but regardless it's very very rare that in a given situation, all the things went bad. And similarly, it's really rare in a good situation that everything went good. Mm. A lot of times, some things went good, and then other things were not going good, but somehow we make them work. And so I think we really need to to focus on both sides of it and not just on the grid um, for us to develop that quality. Mm. And I think that's such a great thing for our younger listeners to understand. I have this conversation so many times with my own kids, and students at school where there's a problem and when I ask them about it they say everything is going wrong it's everything and after we whittle it down after several minutes or hours it becomes okay it was one or two things that are bad and the rest of it is fine but it's just like getting your head to to filter between the two like as you said what what positives can we take out of the situation and what can we be proud of and be grateful for? But also, yeah, what were the crappy things? Because we don't want to gloss everything over and say, like, everything is great. Okay, but there's a pandemic. So there are some things that aren't great. There are some things that are struggles right now. We don't have to pretend that everything is perfect. 
Yeah, exactly. We have to be realistic. There are things that go bad. There are things that go good. And we see this in learning as well. Usually if a student tells me, Miss, I don't understand, uh, I just give them a look and I'm like, uh, that's a lie. Here are some things that you understand. Tell me which thing about this thing is confusing because it's very easy to give in to that desperation and to the feeling of anxiety or the feeling of I suck. And that's not usually true. Usually there's one thing that is making you feel that way, but there's a bunch of other things that would make you feel a different way. Hmm. And so it's, it's, it's one of those skills um, that works for you in all parts of your life. Uh, sports as well. Um, you know, you miss, a, it was a great pass, but you totally mess it up. You totally mess it up. And you have this shame as you walk to the, be- to the bench and your teammates are like, what happened? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You have two choices. You could be like, yeah, I suck. You should just bench me. Sorry, coach. I'm going to go home now. Bye. Mm. Or most likely in that sort of situation, you're probably like, yeah, I messed up. Sorry, I'll do better next time. And maybe next practice, you also practice that thing. So you're the way that you work through tough situations in places and things that you love can be applied to everything else in your life that you maybe don't love so that you do develop those skills in other areas that are maybe more difficult for you. I love that. And something that I really appreciate about you is we haven't met in person that many times. We've talked a lot. And one of the things that we have realized about each other is that we're both kind of like black sheep in some sort of way. We're both a little bit weird. I had one of my students tell me that on Friday, she looked at me, or Thursday, she looked at me and she said, you are really, really weird. I have never met anyone like you. I was like, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. Um, but I think that both of us have have some qualities that make us stand out a little bit, especially in Sweden. Can you talk about some of the things that make you really different, but yet you don't throw away or hide just because they make you different in this society? Because I know that you've been here for quite a while and you're... It seems like you're really happy with your life here, but you haven't conformed to the stereotypical Swede. So how do you get through that feeling of being a black sheep, but formulate it in a positive way where you're like, yeah, this is who I am and I'm cool with it? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of time in life to find your identity. And I think that the moment where you find it, something changes. And then you realize that that thing is maybe not true for you anymore. So I don't know if maybe your younger listeners have experienced this, but if you were really, really into something like Paw Patrol, and then for every birthday and every Christmas, that was the only present you bought. And now you're like, it's three years later, and you're like, seriously, people, I like other stuff. (laughs) Like, give me something different. This was so two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with your identity. There are certain things that you really love for a period of time, and then it doesn't, it's not part of you anymore. So one of the great things with moving to Sweden, I think six or seven years ago now, is that's a chance for you to kind of start fresh and get rid of all the things that you were holding on to because other people thought that that's who you were mm. and to keep only the things that actually you feel are you. And because you're meeting a bunch of new people and you're in new circumstances, you get to figure out a bunch of other new stuff about you. Like, I didn't know until I moved to, to Sweden whether I liked, like, lingonberries. I hadn't really heard about them before. Right? <laughs> I can tell you now, I like lingonberries-ish. I don't really like lingon suit. It's too sweet for me. <laughs> but I won't say no to it if I have pancakes, you know? Um, and so... I think that's something that 
for those who were born and raised in Sweden, the Swedish identity can be so strict and it's very typical um, of what someone outside of the country might think a Swede is. There's not necessarily pressure to conform, but there's definitely, and I think this is true in all countries and in all cultures, there are sort of things that are, yes, this is Swedish. And then there are other things that are like, oh, that's a little bit interesting. It's kind of Swedish, but like, where are you from again? You know, mm-hmm. so the, the nice thing is being able to integrate all the things that actually feel like you and just calling it you. Mm-hmm. And there are some parts that people won't like or appreciate as much as you. And there are some parts that maybe should change. Maybe there are things that um, are beneficial for you to have in your personality or to have in your routine. Like, um, you know, I always have loved the outdoors, but I like to say the outdoors doesn't love me. And that's because I'm allergic to pretty much everything. Oh, my God. Uh, Ironically, moving to Sweden, the land of birch trees, and that's my worst allergy. Ah. (laughs) So... (laughs) What? How have you survived in this place? To be honest, I take an antihistamine every day and I'm just barely (laughs) making it. But I'm not going to stop that from me going outside. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm going to deal with that that hard thing Mm. because it's worth it for me to get the fresh air and it's worth it for me to see the sunset and it's worth it for me to get the exercise. Mm. And so it's the same thing with um, being sure of who you are. Like there are parts of you that will change and there are parts that are difficult and that people will challenge or situations will challenge. And if that part of you is important to you, then it's worth it for you to fight for it. Mm. And if it's a part that is actually not so important or it's just a small thing, um, then maybe it's not worth it for you to have that fight. And maybe it's something about yourself that you keep if you truly love it. Don't let anyone tell you that that's not you, but maybe you don't share it as much or not with everyone. Hmm. Um, And I think that's the really hard thing about growing up. And, you know, no matter what age you are, when you grow up or things in your life uh, change, then you have to make these tough decisions about, like, maybe you don't have time for some hobbies anymore. Does that mean you don't like them anymore or are they just on pause? And so for me, coming to Sweden was sort of a chance to explore about who am I really and what is it about me that I want to keep? Um, and how does that fit into this society and what opportunities do I actually have here to develop new parts of myself that I didn't know that I loved Mm. um, and to sort of live out in that way. And the great thing about working in IIS school is there are some parts that I didn't have to change. Like I didn't have to rush to learn Swedish. I could take my time because I work mostly in English. But on the other hand, there were really great benefits to learning Swedish faster, Mm. whether that was that I could actually read the math textbook that I was teaching from, (laughs) or I could go to the store and ask for something I'm looking for. Mm. Um, In in general, like you, you just have to kind of decide where you're investing your time and where you're investing your energy. And usually we do that for things that we like. And then the things that are a little bit more difficult for us, we decide it's not worth it. It's not worth to invest the time or energy. Or no, you know what? I actually really want to do this. I want to learn how to do this. I want to be this person. It's worth it. I'm going to do it. And you just have to make those decisions and follow through. But also be okay with changing your mind if you realize, nope, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. That's a long answer to your question. (laughs) Oh, but I think it's perfect because it encompasses the the whole thing that you will change and that's okay 
but that there will be some things of you that will never change and that's also really okay and that's also really important. I remember when I was pregnant with my eldest, you know, it was like, I didn't know what life was going to be like after having a baby, but I had some middle-aged man tell me that I would never be the same again. I would never be into training anymore. And I had like fellow women who were already moms say, oh, you'll, you'll forget all about that when you have your baby and you'll just stare at it. And and like, that will be enough. I was like, no, I don't want that. And it will not be like that. And so I like your advice about, about keeping what feels good for you. And also maybe being able to change a little bit when life circumstances change and when you have a change in your environment or you have new people come into your life that you you hold on to some of those things that are really important. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's also what helps you to develop that grit muscle is every time you go through one of those changes that you have a chance to experience that um, and making that decision every time. Um, I think is one of those things that helps you to grow as a person and to grow so that when you, I mean, let's be honest, some of those decisions can take a really long time. You maybe really love something and then realize you still have to let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that can be very, very difficult. And it's not necessarily a decision you take instantly. Um, And so you get a lot of chances to practice uh, with gratitude instead of, you know, breaking down. And that is a thing that does help you in the panic situations, because you know, you've already been through something difficult, you know, you've already kind of had that experience, and you've been to the other side. And maybe you remember, well, last time I felt like this, it still worked out, Mm -hmm. maybe not perfectly, but it worked out. So all those things, every experience that you have in life, you don't maybe realize how much it's teaching you. But then in that moment of something completely different happening, you realize that, oh, yeah, that thing actually taught me about this. And now I'm using it. And it's just such a wonderful experience, actually, to think through some decisions you've made and to think about something that happened um, once that thing is over. And you're like, oh, that was pretty good, actually. Yep, I didn't make the same mistake. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, my last question for you before we end this really nice conversation. If you can give our listeners one piece of advice for when they feel like, nope, like every, literally everything is just awful right now. I have looked for, for the light and I've looked for the positives and I'm just not finding anything. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy at school. I'm not happy at home anymore. What advice would you give to that person who feels really just like kind of empty and like, like there's nothing positive that they can dig out of their current situation. Yeah, I mean, the number one thing, and I say this a lot to people, is don't do it alone. Ask for help. Reach out. Um, sometimes we get stuck in our own head and we don't know how to get out of it. Um, this happens to me. I mean, you know this, Julie, but I have uh, anxiety. And so I have a hard time sometimes in situations to get out of them because it feels kind of like you're digging a tunnel and you just keep going lower and lower and lower. And then you realize now that you're in a tunnel, but you have no way of getting out of it because mm-hmm. you're just kind of stuck. And so maybe you need someone else to shine a light or maybe you need someone else to reach out a hand so that you can grab that and you can find your way out. So I think that would be the number one advice is 
just to to ask for help. There's no there's nothing bad with that. Everyone asks for help. Um, even babies ask for help without knowing. They start crying because it means that they need something. You fall on the floor and your teammate helps you and picks you up. Um, you are maybe older and you want to cross the street, but all the cars are going so fast and someone pushes the button for you. Everyone gets help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. Mm. But you can also help yourself. And one of the ways that I did that when I was going through a really hard part in my life um, was to actually almost like fake it. Um, So there were things that I didn't really feel or believe in my heart that were good things because it was like too cheesy or it was just like silly. Um, But I would actually name them and not necessarily out loud, but out loud in my head. And I would be like, oh, look, the sun is out today. That's good. Be like, oh, there's food in the fridge. That's good. Mm. Be like, oh, I maybe will buy some chocolate later. That's good. Mm. And so if you start with the little things and make them good, even if you don't 100% feel that that's such a big deal or that it's actually a good thing, you'll find that over time, this is something that I now do automatically. And so I have fewer moments where I get stuck in a tunnel because usually when I notice that I'm digging that hole, I look around and I'm like, Oh, wow, what a cool tree. And now I'm not digging anymore. Mm. And while I keep looking at the tree, maybe I start walking towards it. And before I know it, I'm in the middle of a wide open space. And there's other people around and there's like stars in the sky even do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you have to find your own way to make it out of there. But it doesn't happen alone. Mm. You have to get help, you have to get tools, you have to get people around you so that you can understand what you're feeling and you can move through it and and to the other side of it so that if you get stuck in it again that you know how to get out of it um so i would say ask for help don't be shy about it there's nothing wrong with it everyone always gets help um even if they don't want to admit it and then look for the little things that make you happy Mm -hmm. because even in those terrible moments maybe you just really like your shoes and that's good enough (laughs) That is very important. The shoes are very important. Maybe this is why I spend so much time finding the right shoes because then I always have that. Oh, but I love your focus on on gratitude and seeing the whole grit situation as not just something to push through, but as something that can be a way for us to look at the positives and take a step back and shift our focus from this obstacle to the beauty around us. It's amazing. It's been so nice to talk to you, and I wish you could be here in person. But soon we will invite you to our lovely school here. But in the meantime, it was so nice to hear your wisdom and to, I don't know, you're just so inspiring with the way that you see things in a realistic way, but yet with this positive light shining on it, if that makes sense. It's been really amazing. That means so much. I really appreciate it. It was so great to talk to you, too. I'm going to be on the podcast I love to listen to. Ah, such a cool thing. I know. Can you listen to yourself? Is it going to be weird? Oh, my God. Uh, it's always weird to hear your own voice, but you get over it. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm I'm hoping that they have, like, more of a voice filter soon so I can, like, take out some of the annoyingness from my voice and filter it into being, like, more of a... I don't know, like an exotic and and professional voice. But that will come on a later podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Ayas Lena, for listening. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a comment, and share the show.